Welcome to the Tier 1 Performance LV Podcast, where we help you find your inner athlete by discussing all things from fitness, health, mindset, optimizing performance, self-discovery, and growth. On today's podcast, we are joined by Jem Campbell, ex-Team GB trampoline athlete and Cirque du Soleil performer, and is now a part owner of a design agency in Las Vegas. Jem, how's it going, buddy? How's your week, mate? All right, mate. Yeah, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, good week so far. I was just, we're just saying off, like, uh, feels like a long one. It's only Thursday. It already feels like a long week. Tuesday felt like Thursday for me, so not, today feels like Saturday for some reason, but, yeah. but we'll get through it. We'll get there. How, how are you doing? How's your week? Yeah, steady away and kind of like, yeah, like you say, mate, same thing. Um, the weekend just gone, me and the wife went down into the Grand Canyon. So I think by Tuesday, uh, so basically we did that Saturday, but yeah, and by Tuesday, like physically, my body was pretty exhausted. So yeah, it was almost like my body was telling me, is it Friday already? Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's only Tuesday. How, uh, so. how far was that? How, how many miles? Uh, all in all, mate, I think we did like, it was weird because of the GPS with my watch and stuff, but um, I think it was definitely at least 30 miles. Jeez. Yeah, and the cool thing about the Grand Canyon is because it's so big, you can probably make it even well you can definitely make it longer yeah but yeah, yeah just because of the time and we didn't want to get stuck in the dark we kind of like turned around at around 14 15 miles so did you yeah. did you go down from the rim how did you do it yeah mate we started off at the so we started off at the north rim just because it's kind of closer if you're coming from vegas like driving mm-hmm. but um yeah just drop down mate like again we got we stopped shy just shy of the colorado river okay. like where it kind of runs into there and then, like I said, mate, just because of the time when I did a little bit of a maths check, I was like, right, we probably need to turn around now. Otherwise, get back to the car. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be uh, going through some scary spots in the pitch dark. Well, I had, we had like torch light and stuff, but still, you know. Yeah, I don't want to be stuck in a canyon after dark. It sounds, sounds rough down there. Yeah, mate. Um, mate, just for everyone who's listening, so it's kind of crazy. I know we're both here in Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, you know, two British lads in Vegas. Yeah. And we actually met each other through um, playing football or, you know, soccer for everyone over here in America. But, um, yeah, and then from there, mate, you know, you kind of turned into a client, which was mm-hmm. pretty cool for my business. Um, I know you uh, dealt with an injury. What was it, the ACL again? Yeah, then... yeah. So I did, um, yeah, we started playing, playing footy together and then, you know, Father Time's catching up with me a little bit and uh, did my ACL, ACL, MCL and meniscus. So what I think they call it like, the Holy Trinity of knee injuries, had all that at once on like the stupidest thing. It's like, were you playing that day? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, I think, mate, it was, I think if I remember rightly, it was our first official game together. Really? Yeah. Not oh, that it was my, my fault, guys, but you know, yeah, I was just Benny, was on the field together. Just Benny's, Benny's sheer influence just sent me <laughs> over the edge. No, it was, it was such a stupid thing. I was just like trying to put the ball out for a throw in and twisting and some guy caught me in the air and like, I just put my foot down and yeah, knee, knee just went inwards, which, which is a weird one. Like, I mean, we've chatted a bunch about it. Cause obviously, like you said, I'm, we've worked together for a while now and, uh, and thanks for everything. Obviously it's been awesome. And, and part of the reason why I'm playing again now is, is the work we've done. So, which is wicked, but like, I've never had any problems with my knees ever touch wood. Like yeah, yeah. I've gone through a lot, like you said, I've, Team GB and, and Cirque du Soleil and a bunch of physical stuff and I'd had all the injuries in the world but never anything to do with my knees so like I don't know you do you go years without an injury to something and you're like oh they're good I just don't have to worry about them and then yeah. all of a sudden I was like oh, okay yeah my, my knees trashed yeah um so yeah, it was a fun uh it was a fun one for sure yeah mate. so to um as you've already mentioned there and we mentioned earlier but like to kind of take it to the beginning which I know a little bit more about mm-hmm. but uh, for everyone who's listening mate so you was a team GB athlete as a kid, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So, so when yeah, when I was a kid, like take it all the way back. So I was um, I was a pretty hyperactive kid. I was jumping around on mum and dad's bed and stuff, and uh, they decided that I was going to break stuff if I uh, if it didn't get me out of the house, kind of vibe. So they took me down to like a little gymnastic session, like you know, it's little kiddie gymnastics, you're yeah, just, like, yeah. rolling about and on all the soft play and stuff, and it was um. It was just so much fun. I loved it. And then I think I got like, my coach said, oh, you should take trampolining as well. Um, and then I started doing both, started doing gymnastics a little bit more seriously and started doing like competitions and stuff. And then trampolining as well. There were two separate clubs where I lived in Bournemouth and, um, and, and yeah, I had some wicked coaches that like really helped me kind of decide to 
compete and, and you know rather than just jump around for fun like try and actually do something with it which was which was cool i didn't really know it was even a thing as a kid like you don't there's nothing on tv or anything like that so so yes yeah, so i started doing gymnastics went into the trampolining did both of those until i was uh around about 14. i i wasn't very good at gymnastics honestly like i was not super flexible and like i was okay at like floor and bolt and i was competing in like southwest england competitions and stuff yeah. like that but I was never going to make it to like Olympics or anything like that for gymnastics. Um, and by that point, I was already like, I'd gone to a couple of world championships for trampoline and uh, just way better at it basically than, than the gymnastics side of things. So that was when I kind of put all my eggs into one basket um, and then went like pretty heavy into the trampolining side of things. But, but yeah, my, I started probably competing when I was about uh, nine, age nine. And then my yeah. first world championships when I was 11, um first time ever abroad went yeah. to went to australia like the competition was in sydney like 24 hours of flying to to get over to australia mate it was absolutely mad but uh but yeah super fun and luckily got to compete some some cool places around the world and stuff like that but but yeah so got got into um got into trampolining pretty pretty solidly when i was about 14 really yeah mate um so i mean obviously being any type of athlete to represent your country I'm guessing there was a lot of, well, training and, and, you know, like serious training met at such a young age. Like, did you take to it like water or was it kind of a struggle or is, was it just the mixture of the love of what you were doing? Like, how, you know, how was that met as a kid? Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because, like, I think the, the other thing to bear in mind, so I'm, I'm similar age to you now, I'm 35 now. And for those of you that don't know, and it's probably a ton of you that don't like trampolining when I was a kid, wasn't an Olympic sport. Like it was, we had world championships and stuff, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't as kind of like regulated and, and regimented, I guess, as it is now. Yeah. It wasn't part of gymnastics as well. So like basically like halfway through my career, we, it went from a like pretty small sport to being not like a massive sport, but like it basically came under the umbrella of gymnastics. Mm -hmm. And that was the point where it became an Olympic sport. Like all of a sudden there were all these pathways and I was maybe, I don't know, maybe 12, 13 at the time. So I'd already done some world championships and stuff, but all of a sudden there's like all these new pathways. Oh, okay. If you train hard now, all of a sudden you can get to the Olympics rather than, you know, just these like smaller world competitions that already existed and stuff. So it was a weird one because like I think at that point when it became more of a an official sport um the training definitely changed as well like we saw a bit more bit more investment from like the government and UK sports started getting involved and all of a sudden we had like training centers and, and Lillishall and and different places around England where you know if you were in GB team GB you had to go train few times a year or a month or the training squads and all that kind of stuff so it became a lot more professional i think like halfway through when i was doing it um which was a bit of a change like before then it was honestly a a bit more of just a fun thing that happened to be quite good at yeah and i was training probably probably four times a week total a couple of hours at a time was was like up until the age of 14 15 and then then when it got more professional that's when it started becoming a thing where you're like okay no i need to be doing not just trampoline sessions, but I need to be doing stretching sessions and conditioning sessions and gym sessions and swimming. And like we did, um, we did like ballet for, for like body control and stuff like this. So there's, there's definitely like a massive change. And um, I, I liked it. Like I, I was, I think I, I don't mind working hard. Like I probably wasn't, if you ask my coach, I probably wasn't like the easiest uh, student. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I think uh, in general, I could be quite lazy, but, um i you know i wasn't like lazy to the point of not doing the work i was just you know maybe my coach had to kick me at the ass a couple of times to to get stuff done yeah um but yeah like it's as it, like you said as a kid it's it's difficult sometimes right like mm-hmm. you, you just don't know I, I didn't really know what was possible in the sport and I, yeah, yeah. you don't have all these kind of like goals and stuff so um so yeah so it wasn't until it kind of the sport came a bit more professional the coaches around me kind of realized what was possible and then we changed the way we the way we trained and stuff that's when it became like a proper proper thing mate on on that then um so like back then too if i remember rightly mate like social media wasn't a thing eh? so yeah for sure 
was there anyone you know like you're you know you're a junior athlete was there anyone even at that time that you was able to look up to was the even a name that you could think of where you're like oh that's the guy or the girl where i can even imitate their moves because yeah the top of the it's, it's a good sport. question it's a really good point like, and it's so different today like today you just have access to youtube and social media and all these things where there's just endless videos of people training and trying stuff and especially in the trampoline side of things like yeah. it's a smallish sport it's never on tv you don't really see it if you're not in that community so nowadays you got all these kids like trying to one-up each other with these videos and stuff like that and it just, like you said it just didn't exist so the only time we really saw people was when we went to a competition and all of a sudden you'd see like this russian kid who has put on like 15 pounds and is now looking like a, a big man age 15 and all of a sudden he's doing all these skills and i'm like oh, okay shit, i need to like up my game a bit because like the russians have really been training hard or something like that yeah um yeah it was you but you'd go like six months you'd go like six months without going to one of these competitions where you're just training almost blind right like yeah, yeah. you're just kind of making not making stuff up because you know what you're aiming for in general but you really you, you've not got much to compare yourself to outside of like the club i was in and i was lucky that i trained with like a bunch of really good guys and girls that were um you know we we're all pushing each other forward and stuff and obviously when we went to like team gb camps there was you know some guys that i kind of came up through the ranks with um i'm name dropping now let's do it paul quinlan um one of my best mates and what i'm actually going to his wedding later this year should be awesome um dom swaffer as well and nick joyce like these there's like us four were the team like pretty much the guys each year going to the competition so yeah, yeah. whenever we started training together even though paul was in manchester and i never saw him every few months we get together and like oh, i learned this trick oh, right. check this out this is my new routine like yeah um so yeah it was a definitely super different to how it would be today yeah um and, they, and again like that kind of happened like in my career like what well, i got to university i was maybe 20 all of a sudden like youtube started becoming a thing in like 2005 2006 time yeah and now i can see videos of like the chinese kids training and yeah. they're awesome and i'm like oh my god i've never even considered like jumping like that or this technique or anything like that so um yeah definitely a weird one like a weird change i think and, mm -hmm. and one that i think a lot of people look like growing up today wouldn't even consider it because it's so normal for them you know yeah, yeah. When, um, so you just mentioned a few names there, like, you know, you was kind of like, I'd call it like part of like the, the top tier of guys at that time, in a, in a sense, mate, was it, uh, was it competitive amongst, even though like you may be friends, but like, as soon as you get onto that trampoline or the light, you're under the lights, yeah. did it turn really competitive? Yeah, for sure. And I think like, so trampolining is a, a, like primarily is an individual sport. Like it's not a team thing. Yeah. yeah. You, you go to a competition as a team of like four, four guys in your age group or whatever. And we're all mates, like we're very good mates, but yeah, it was competitive. Like when I got on the trampoline, I wanted to beat them for sure. Yeah. And like we went, and that, but that's what pushes you forward, right? Like oh, some yeah. competitions I'd beat Paul and some competitions Paul beat me and then Dom was awesome for a while and then Nick came out of nowhere and was suddenly amazing. And like, and and yeah, like it pushed us all forwards. We, we were good mates off, off like while we trained and stuff and it was always supportive, but like I'm quite a competitive person. So yeah, I had no problem showing mm -hmm. that to the side and, and competing for me, you know. Um, the, the one time that didn't happen was, so there's a, a one discipline, like one part of trampolining called synchronized, like synchronized diving in the Olympics. You've probably right, seen right. it, right? Um, super similar to that. So you have your routine, you both have to do exactly the same routine at exactly the same height. Um, and that was the one actually what that me and so Paul was my synchro partner. I had a few synchro partners through through my career, but Paul was like the guy that we had the most success with. Yeah. Um, we got shoved together age 14 uh, in a world championships. We never trained together. We trained together like one time before we went out to Denmark uh, for this competition. And it was like world juniors. And we just like hit it perfectly. Like we hit the perfect routine on the day in the final and we we won we ended up winning like winning world championships for it and like that was cool because it's you, you're so used to competing by yourself and only competing like you're against everyone else but you're, you're trying to up your score from the last competition and stuff yeah and all of a sudden like you win something but you win it with your mate and like mm -hmm. that was wicked like 
we, we still chat about that now. Like yeah. with 35 year old guys haven't jumped on a trampoline for a while. And like, yeah. it's still like such a cool memory of mine just to like win it with someone else. Yeah. 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 It meant a lot for sure. Oh, that's awesome, man. So, um, kind of like you're, you're in training, you know, you, you're doing your thing with like team GB and you're rolling, but what's like a, what's the young gem doing away from that? Like, you know, you're in uh, Bournemouth, which, you know, just, just tell us a little bit for people who may not even know, like, where's Bournemouth, mate? Sure. I've, I've been there, so I kind of know, but... Yeah, so Bournemouth's this little beach town, or used to be a little beach town. It's now actually quite a big, like, college town. But um, maybe when I was growing up, there's, like, 150,000, 200,000 people there. Like, it's a sizable yeah. town, like, not a little village, but um, beautiful down in, on the south coast of England. Um, when you're growing up there, you're like, oh man, I can't wait to leave and go to London and do all this cool stuff. But like now I've been away from Bournemouth for a while. Like I, I miss it. Like I miss the countryside down there. It's, yeah. it's a beautiful place. Um, and yeah, I was lucky. Like I had a, a good group of mates at school. Um, so yeah, I mean, pretty much going to school and training, mate. Like I wasn't really getting into a lot of trouble because by the time I was like 14, 15, I was already training, like I said, most nights a week. Yeah. Um, and uh, I spent a lot of time in the gym, like coaching, started coaching about then as well. Like I'd coach like adult classes, even though I'm only 16 years old kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, through school, I, I played a lot of footy. I played uh, rugby at school, really enjoyed that. Um, every year when Wimbledon came around, like, we played tennis for a couple of months yeah. and I like, really enjoyed that <laughs> and stuff. But yeah, like, because it was a beach town, obviously we had, you know, spent a ton of time on the beach. Yeah. Like surfing in the winter was, was wicked. and. When I got a bit older, we started, you know, doing that a bit more seriously and stuff. But, but yeah, as much time as possible on the beach really was uh, was the vibe in Bournemouth. That's awesome, man. Um, man, I think we might have already touched on it, but like, if you, what was one, what was like a highlight of you know your trampoline career with Team GB, mm -hmm. and then second question is, what's something that you've that kind of still remains with you because of what you've done at such a young age, you know, like whether it's, you know, the discipline, maybe it's even just a skill set where you're like, mm -hmm. I can, I don't know, like do a double backflip just easily because it's what yeah. I was doing from a kid. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, probably the, the thing that sticks with me is, is that like, like you said, like that body control, like I, I reckon gymnastics is such a good sport for anyone to do. Oh, yeah. Like gymnastics at a high level is, is very disciplined and very, tricky and you train super hard and and like that can be really tough for a lot of people but like just doing like a small amount of gymnastics as a kid will give you such a good basis for any sport like yeah. and we used to have like the, the England rugby team would come train with us and learn body control and spatial awareness and stuff like that so I, I think there's a lot of um there's a lot of like those kind of peripheral skills like you know if I get tackled now on a footy pitch I can roll I can like fall over and fall correctly and you learn how to land without hurting yourself yeah. i mean i did do my acl but like in general you learn how to like land without hurting yourself and stuff yeah. like that so i think i think that's a big um like a big skill set that like most kids will, will get from gymnastics which i think is, is super useful um and then yeah something that sticks with me for my career like so I was, I was lucky i had a like i said i started pretty young like i was 11 when i went to my first team gb like world championships and I competed through until I think 2008 was my last international competition, maybe 2009, something like that. So I was probably like 21, 22, 23 when I went to like my mm -hmm. last, I think it was European championships was my last one as a senior. Um, and I, I was super proud of having of transitioning from being like a, a fairly successful junior trampolinist, like yeah. up to the age of 18. And then there's all these, so, so there's age groups as you go up. So you, you know, 13, 14 year olds, 15, 16 year olds, under 18, and then you hit 18 and all of a sudden you're against everyone else. Like 18 plus is just one big yeah. free for all where like all the best guys in the world are doing it. Yeah. And a lot of people I think struggle with that, that transition of having been like quite successful and at the top of this like small two year age group. Um, and then all of a sudden you're like right back at the bottom of, of the pile. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And and not not even internationally, just in England, like all of a sudden you go up and you've got, you know, 25 guys that are all amazing that are all 18 to 30 years old. And like now I've got to work my way back up the ranks and try and get into the top four again, because only four of you will go to the competitions and stuff. Um, 
and yeah, like I said, I, I'm, I'm proud of having like made that transition because I think a lot of people don't. A lot of people just drop off at that point. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I stuck with it because I got to do quite a few a few little senior competitions and and like I said, European Championships and World Cups and stuff like that, and travel around, you know, some some really cool places. Yeah, um, mate. Which was which was wicked. Yeah. What was um, just to piggyback on that, mate? <laughs> what what was like the I mean, as a child, I never got to travel until I joined the military. Mm. Um, and I think my first trip out of the country was at the age of 17, sure. which I know for some people that might be early, but I know for some a lot of people I know that already been here, there and everywhere. Yeah. Like a trip for me literally was to the coast, you know, like yeah. Blackpool, Scarborough, maybe we, I think we went down south at one point, I can't remember. But mate, as a kid, what was the coolest place where you were just like, whoa, like, the world's a huge place and this is amazing. Yeah, like, I was the same. Like, like my family wasn't super wealthy, so we didn't go on holiday every year. Like, we didn't do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only time up to the age of, like, in fact, I don't think we've ever been abroad altogether, my family still, but, like, the, the only time we ever went away together was if I had a competition. So, like, we went, like, like I think I mentioned earlier, like my first ever competition was Australia, which yeah. was nuts. As an 11-year-old, I'd never <laughs> been on a plane before. And all of a sudden, like, and my family, like, because they were super supportive and, and, you know, they saved up tons of money, like, so the whole family could go and spend, like, two weeks in, in, in Australia. And they all had, like, an amazing time. I had a good time as well. Like, I, was, I had stuff to do, do you know what I mean? Like, they, yeah. they were off, like, oh, yeah, we're doing three, four days on the Great Barrier Reef. We'll see you in four days. And I'm, like, having to train in a sports hall and... Yeah. In the middle of the city but i wish i'd had like a bit more time to be honest but but yeah like that, that was the one because the first time i'd ever been abroad the first time i was like shit, shit this, this world is massive i've done three planes just to get to this place right. um and yeah like I, I was lucky like a lot of the competitions we did as like even as a junior between the ages of like 11 18 and stuff went a lot of different countries in europe and i think um it like it definitely broadens your mind, right? Like I would yeah. never would have considered living in another country if I hadn't gone gone on ho mm -hmm. holiday. But like you know what I mean? Like to these to these competitions for three, four, five days at a time and seeing how people are living in Czech Republic and France and yeah, Sweden yeah. and stuff like that. And we do training camps and things like that. So yeah, yeah, super lucky that I got to do it through through trampolining and through like you know mostly funded through the government and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Because um, yeah, like like you said, I don't think I'd. Have done that through just my, my own family right. love them to bits but yeah that wasn't really on the cards for us you know what i mean yeah mate um when you're in these competitions mate so you mentioned like it's world championships mm -hmm. like literally mate is there pretty much all the countries at these championships or is it like just you know like i don't know like your major countries type if you know what i mean yeah like, it's it's a good question like and, it, and i think it definitely changed through my career like when i started going Took these to these competitions. There was not a ton of not a ton of countries there. Maybe yeah. there's I don't know, like eleven or twelve different countries have sent like a team of four, yeah, four yeah. people. But like, yeah, pretty much like the major ones you'll see in gymnastics are the major ones you'd see in trampoline. So you'd see like Russia were very good, Japan, China were great, um, a lot of European countries like France, Germany, Spain were good. Um, in fact, not so much Spain, but France and Germany were, were really good and stuff. Um, and like Russia and Belarus, like Eastern Europe was very, very strong. Yeah. And, but like, as soon as it became an Olympic sport in 2000, that's when a lot of other countries started taking notice. Um, yeah. especially China, actually like China, when I was a kid, didn't even bother. Like they were, they were all in on gymnastics and didn't bother with trampoline because what's the point kind of thing. And then, yeah. then it became an Olympic sport. And especially when Beijing got the, got the Olympic nod, whatever it was, 2002 or whatever, Oh yeah. uh, they started pouring money in man like we started seeing like team china popping up at these like world championships in 2003 2005 mm -hmm. and and they were like not that good and like it, it's clear that they're just like fast tracking these gymnasts actually normally like people that were, were like physically fit and knew how to somersault and stuff but it's very very different trampolining to gymnastics so like they're trying to get these gymnasts to become really good at trampoline really quick and it took them a good few years to to get to the point they are now where i mean china legit dominated now like yeah. still from two i think they won the olympics 2008 maybe yeah this guy they've had some absolutely insane guys dong dong is just a legend of the sport great name as well dong dong um but yeah uh 
but yeah, like not not as many countries as you'd see in like athletics or something like that. But but definitely more now. Awesome, mate. So basically, after team, you know, like GB, you've kind of finished up, mm-hmm. you know, that part of your career. Um, kind of just tell us, mate. Like, you know, did that just did it mutually kind of come to an end? You know, you're coming of an age, and you're I don't know, maybe looking ahead, and you're like, I don't know, almost like all right, real life's about sure. to start, or maybe it's already starting and you're trying to juggle both. Like, what was that transition, mate, or what made that? Yeah, I think, like like you said, more, more juggling both. Like, you know, I went to, you know, I was lucky to go to university, uh, went to Loughborough Uni, had a good time, came out with, a, like, a sports science degree, but I didn't really, nothing was really buzzing me on that side of things. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was still training because I was trying to get to London Olympics. 2012 mm-hmm. was my goal. And then we went to basically the world championships in 2011 uh, was in Birmingham is where we had to like qualify the places. I didn't even actually qualify for that world championships. I've been injured that year, uh, but our team went to the world championships and um, we, we didn't qualify a spot. So like no men from team GB qualified an Olympic spot uh, for 2012 for like our home Olympics, which yeah. was like not, not a surprise because like it was it's very very difficult to do but like you know that was the goal for everyone was like to qualify a spot and and we didn't and at that point i was like okay i'm getting on a little bit at this point yeah i mean how old am i then 2011 i'm probably 24 25 yep. could i train for another five years to try and get to rio at this point and i'm like man i was already kind of having a few injuries and my back wasn't great and i was like five years sounds a lot of time then I'm 29 without a job. You know what I mean? Like yeah. training full-time, training trampoline full-time still isn't like a, a full-time mm-hmm. career. It's like you can't make enough money doing it. So you have to do stuff on the outside. Um, yeah, it's it's it was a tricky one. And I basically took the decision to, to step away from it. I was lucky that I'd been scouted a couple of years earlier um, at another competition by... Cirque du Soleil. So, so Cirque du Soleil send talent scouts around to like all the big acrobatic competitions and gymnastics and, you know, stuff like this. And I've been, I've talked to a woman called Marceline and she had my contact details. And, and I thought, because a few of my friends had done this already and I thought, okay, cool. I'll quit trampoline and I'll go to Cirque and I'll work in Cirque and it'll be like a real smooth transition. And what happened was outside, like 2008 was like the, the, financial crisis and things oh, like yeah, that yeah. and off the back of that Cirque had had to downsize quite a lot they, they'd had to like a lot of the shows weren't running anymore and they had this big training complex in montreal where you used to be able to go and train for six months and they would just put you up and pay for you for six months to go right. to learn the disciplines and stuff like that they just had to stop that because there was no money so in my head i was like oh cool yeah i'll quit trampoline and go seamlessly into Cirque. it just didn't happen so mm-hmm. I spoke to Marceline and she was like, look, we don't have a spot. The best thing for you to do is go and get some, some experience in like show business and, you know, go, go and do a different acrobatic show. There's a few of these around. And she told me a few of them to go and get in contact with and stuff. I filmed like a video show reel, uh, just like tram- mostly trampoline gymnastics and some acrobatic tricks and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Sent it to a few people. And uh, I got this job in Germany working for, a theme park called Fantasialand just outside Cologne and mate that was a a weird year I tell you that like it was um you've probably seen it like you know trampoline wall where you like run up the wall and flip off the wall and stuff like a lot of kids are doing it these days like back then it was it was a thing but not really outside of like circus and stuff and I was like oh mate now I need to learn this completely new discipline again luckily YouTube existed at that point so I'm like trying to YouTube stuff trying to learn these tricks that I had no idea how to do. Um, and, and But yeah, like I got lucky and I got this spot in uh, in Fantasialand for, for a nine month contract. And looking back now, like it was a it was a beneficial year because it got me where I wanted to go, which was Cirque du Soleil. But at the time I really didn't do it well. Like I, we were living in this tiny little village um, called Brühl. And there was like, I don't know, 300 people living there. Yeah. And we're all living in this like old converted monastery and it's like cold and like we haven't even got like a proper cooker and we're sharing like a tiny kitchen with like 28 other people. Yeah, yeah. And like most of the people that I was working with were Hungarians or Ukrainians. So I had to learn like 
a lot of Hungarian and a bit of Ukrainian to just like talk and, and work with these guys. Yeah. And the, the trampoline team was four of us. It was legit me and these three Ukrainian lads who were awesome. Um, but yeah, like they just spoke Russian the whole time. So I had to learn, mm-hmm. you know, just to speak to them and stuff. And like, I think it was, it was the first time I'd lived away from England. I'd lived, I'd lived away from home at, at university and stuff. It was the first time I'd lived in a different culture. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely an eye opener. You know what I mean? Like, I think everyone should live away from their home country once just yeah. to, just to get like a different perspective. And like I said, I didn't really love it. Didn't have a good time, but mm-hmm. give me that perspective. I think that, okay, if I want to do this, I need to try harder and, and train and learn more stuff and actually like make it happen. Yeah. Um, so that's what I did. I kept, I kept training and I kept like sending videos to, to Cirque and, you know, here's the new trick I did this week and here's a new yeah. skill I got. Like, it, you know, have you got a spot for me yet kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And I just kept emailing them. Um, and yeah, it was a long, long old nine months that for sure. But I moved back to England after nine months and had a couple of months at home. I actually went on a snowboarding holiday and at the t- I always remember I was at the top of a mountain in Switzerland with my mates. It was like day two of a five-day snowboarding holiday, and I get a phone call. I didn't even know my phone worked in Switzerland. I get a phone call from this number I've never seen before, and I pick up, and it's Marceline calling from Canada, right. and she's like, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, yeah, good. Uh, don't mention I'm on the mountain. Don't mention I'm on a mountain snowboarding. And she's like, we've got a spot for you um, in a show. Like, it's a new show. It's called Michael Jackson One in Las Vegas. Um, it's going to be, you know, we're going to start training next week and we want you to fly out like next week. Can you come, can you come do it? We've got a spot opened up. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. I'll do it. And then I had like three days of the slowest, like most rubbish snowboarding. Cause I was so scared of hurting myself. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, l- like luckily everything was good. Touch wood, like everything was fine. And, uh, flew back to England end of the week and yeah, pretty much the next week flew out to Vegas and, legit been here ever since like I, I didn't expect it i only signed on for 18 months um at the time but yeah that was my way into circ i just got like kept in their inbox and yeah basically just got lucky i guess like you know one of the guys got fired from from the creation they call it which is like the setup they do a few months up in montreal like creating the show from scratch yeah and one of the guys got let go um really good guy Lenny's he's, he's I think he's still here in Vegas and the other show just his his skill set didn't quite uh like fit with what they what yeah. it ended up being um they wanted more of a trampoline guy so I, I came in and yeah took that spot which is which is wicked so mate just to kind of like uh I don't want to miss out on these so just for most people especially probably in America who are, who are listening to this is mate a monastery oh, correct yeah, me okay. if I'm wrong but from what I remember, mate, that's like a place where monks used to live in, yeah. like a religious kind of bigger building. Yeah. And these are old, like just to like, so you understand these are old brick this... stone buildings, probably what I'm guessing not that modern. Mate, this was inside. a 300, 300 year old, big drafty stone building with like super thin windows, not yeah, double, yeah. like no, the heating didn't really work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a... Uh, and it, it like I think maybe in the fifties they tried to convert it into a hotel. So there was like some weird remnants of like a cafe downstairs and stuff. But now it was owned by the um, it was either owned by or rented by the theme park like Fantasia Land. Yeah. And basically all the workers like me that came in for like a short contract like nine months mm-hmm. at a time or whatever, um, they just lived in this monastery. And there's yeah. there's maybe two hundred of us in this monastery. Yeah. So I mean, I've I've visited some. Obviously, we've got quite a lot in England, and yeah. most of them were like in ruins. But yeah. so I, I can kind this, of this one was too pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to kind of get that across to people that yeah, this is an old old building with probably like I said, probably luxury is running water and yeah. maybe just having a bed. Yeah. In bed, there. Yeah, the bed was uh, just about there for sure. And then we, we, but, but the weirdest thing. Sorry, just just the. Yeah, yeah, really hammer this home. So like, I turned up and we weren't getting paid a lot. Like, I, I can't remember how much to get paid. Maybe it was like a thousand euros a month or something like that. Like, not a lot. Yeah. Uh, and but at the time for me it was like my first kind of acrobatics job. I was like, great, I've made it. This is amazing. And I had no money to buy any furniture or anything. And I got there and my room had a bed, and that was it actually. I think maybe I had a fridge. Maybe I had like a tiny little crappy fridge, like a little mini fridge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like I said, like a shared kitchen with some stuff. And what what Germany has, or maybe it's just this region of Germany, is every 
like the first weekend of every month, everyone just puts all their crap that they don't want. They just put like furniture, like kitchen utensils, like anything, it might, might be anything. And they just put it out on the street for two days and you can take it anything you want. Right, right. And then at the end of those two days, like a big truck comes around and picks everything up and takes it to the, to the tip. Oh, okay. But, uh, but that was how I got all my furniture, was just like walking around the village, <laughs> like, oh, mate, that sofa sick. Yeah. Phone up the Ukrainian lads, let's get, a team of, let's get a team of lads down here to take this sofa up to this room. Mate, it was, uh, it was a fun, I mean, like I said, it wasn't a fun nine months, but it was, um, it was some good times for sure. Oh, yeah, mate. And then, um, so what that, again, just at that time, mate, where you, so you mentioned you was inboxing, like, uh, what was the name? Marceline, was not it, yeah. So at that time, mate, for you, is is Cirque du Soleil like the top tier of kind of what you wanted to get into? Are, are they like running the thing? Like you know, like oh, if you get into that, you've almost like again, you've yeah. made it in a sense. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of other companies, but like the the Cirque du Soleil was at the time definitely the biggest and like most prestigious uh, like show, like circus show almost. Yeah, yeah. So like it's not quite traditional circus like in a big top although they do have like touring shows that that are like that but like that uh, yeah at the, at the time if you're coming out of you know an acrobatic sport like gymnastics or trampolining it was known that like that's one of the routes you could go right like if you want to make money yeah and you can still physically do it yeah once you finish competing you don't want to compete anymore you can go and do circus. like one of the girls i trained with had done it um she'd like claire right she'd gone to the olympics and then finished it after the Olympics and gone straight into a show in Florida and like yeah. lived there for like 15 years doing it and then so I, I knew some people in England that had done it and I honestly I didn't really know any other ways to make money at the time you yeah. know what I mean like with I, I tried doing um some like adverts in London and I did a couple which was fun and stuff but like it wasn't consistent really so it's more like a pretty much like a natural progression if you wanted to kind of continue using that skill set and like you said, well, make a career out of it and continue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I didn't really know any other way to make money. Like, like uh, I had, I, lucky, lucky I had a degree and stuff, but like I said, nothing was really buzzing me. So yeah, it was that or maybe do more training and go into that stunt work, which I know some people have done, which yeah. actually would have been cool. I would, really would have wanted to do that. But um, but yeah, like it, it was probably the, the only way I can continue doing what I'm doing and make good money from it for sure. Yeah. So you get to... Mate, you get the phone call, you know, you've pretty much gotten in, mm -hmm. mate. So you pretty much rock up to Las Vegas. Exactly right. Like, I had no concept of, I'd never worked for Cirque, so I didn't know much about them outside of like what a couple of my mates had. I knew I was moving to Las Vegas, but I'd never been to Las Vegas. So I didn't, I knew it was hot. Like, I Googled how hot it was, but like, I didn't know what life would be like uh, yeah. or anything like that. Um, like I, I was not really that guy that went out a lot. Yeah. Like I'd, I'd done a bit of clubbing with, with mates and stuff. But like I wasn't really interested in the strip or, you know, a lot of what Vegas has to offer. Um, so I was a bit wary, honestly, of like moving to Vegas and stuff. But Cirque is, um, I mean, Cirque, like Vegas and, and Cirque have like a long history. So like the the oldest show here is Mystere, which is like, I'm going to get this wrong. But it's, it's like 20 or 30 years old that's been here. Like it's a long, oh, yeah. long old time. So like, and, and at the time when I moved here, we were going to be the eighth permanent show in Las Vegas. So there's tons of different shows on the strip. Yeah, yeah. There's tons of people in each show and you are part of this like little community, which is, mm -hmm. which is really cool. And I didn't really, um, I didn't expect that because the guys that I'd spoken to that joined Cirque and done it had all been part of touring shows. And there's a load of those that go all the way around the world and they're all in different spots and stuff. And I think when you go touring, you're always out of hotels obviously and like you don't live with other people necessarily yeah. like you train and you're in shows together but i think like being in one spot and being like all based in one city was really cool because it, like, it meant that we're all in the same boat really like most people practically everyone i don't know anyone actually that started that was from sir from vegas sorry yeah, yeah so like everyone's moved here for this reason right we were all pretty young at the time like i was on fairly on the older side actually when i joined at like 26 27 uh and everyone suddenly got like a bit of money because we were making like all right cash and stuff once we open the show so everyone's like oh mate let's go hackerson let's go this is going to be the one and i like i said I, I did a bit of that when i first came here but not really my not really my vibe um but yeah like i 
packed a bag and thought I'd be here for 18 months was a contract I signed. Yep. Um, I went to, when I first moved here, like first couple of weeks, I went to a barbecue, like a friend of a friend. And they said, uh, it was, I spoke to this guy and he was like 50, he's an older dude. And uh, he was like, welcome to, welcome to Vegas. And he said, I've always remember what he said. He said, everyone moves to Vegas for six months and stays for 20 years. Yeah. And I was like, mate, now looking back, I've been here 10 years now. And it's so right. Cause you know, everyone comes for these short term for work or whatever. And you know, there's, there's enough about Vegas outside of the strip and stuff. I think everyone can find like what they like to do. Like, I know you love the yeah. outdoors and for you, it's like, you know, Grand Canyon, you said, and yeah. Red Rock and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I almost, um, it's kind of funny, mate. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you this, but from, from my experience, so when I came out here, obviously I came mm. to Vegas cause it's where my wife was based. So that's why I ended up in Vegas essentially. And then, um, Again, I think a lot of my friends and even myself, all you see of Vegas is the strip, you know, whether it's movies, you know, there's boxing events or something. It's just, it's literally the strip and that's yeah. all you think Vegas is. And that's all I thought it was. And then even when I was out here, kind of like a lot of my friends at the time, they just thought I'm like, I'm either at pool parties, I'm <laughs> living in a hotel on the strip because that's just yeah. where everyone on Vegas lives. And now that, you know, I've been here and, I tell everyone it's like there's almost two Vegas. There's local Vegas, yeah, and then there's the strip where everyone's coming to party, have holidays or whatever. And if you're a local, pretty much unless you go to a show or maybe like a fancy restaurant, mm -hmm. you literally stay away from the strip yeah. because it's like a headache. Exactly. Yeah. And and like that's I, I'm like that because like you said, I don't outside of a show, which is obviously that's what I did for a while. So I like going to see shows and stuff, and yeah. some good restaurants and stuff. But I never go, and. uh like having to work on the strip was was tricky because you had to go there every day yeah. and like be involved in it. We we were kind of lucky actually compared to the other shows. We um we could park at like the Luxor, which was kind of off the strip, and then we could walk into the theater like off. We didn't have to go on like Vegas Boulevard or walk through a hotel or anything. A lot yeah. a lot of the other shows there, you have to park in the hotel, go through this like smoky casino to get to like your show and to get to work essentially every day. Yeah. That would that gets so old for me. Like I, I'm way happier away from this trip. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't need it. But and and like you said, like everyone comes to Vegas for that reason, yeah. which is kind of refreshing then. Because when my family comes or friends come and they want to do that kind of stuff, I don't mind doing it because I'm like a tourist as well, right? Like I yeah. go once every nine months, and yeah. like when someone comes into town, oh yeah, cool, we'll go to this restaurant. That's kind of fun for me as well. But yeah, that's enough. That's enough for me. So you, uh, so you've mentioned that you you came over initially for eighteen months. Where did that change that all obviously led to you being out here pretty much well up until like now, like sure. ten years in? Yeah, right. So, uh, so yeah, so so the first contract I had was eighteen months, and then towards the end of that, I got renewed for another year. Yeah. Um. And it was it was all good. In in that second year, I got injured, and my. Uh, I messed my back up quite, quite well. And that whole second year or a lot of that second year of my contract or third year, technically, if you know what I mean, like the second contract, I was like in and out of shows and I knew that I was like not physically doing that well. I needed back surgery, but I was trying to avoid it. So I was trying to like do Pilates and stretching and like all this stuff to work mm -hmm. around it and try and like avoid the surgery. Cause I knew that if I had back surgery, that's a long old, recovery process yeah. and puts my job at, at risk right like yeah, yeah kind of got that label against you like yeah that. exactly and yeah and, and it's a big surgery and people people at Cirque do go through big surgeries like it's rare that you'll go through a few years of, of working at Cirque without like a major surgery like an ACL or a lot of ankles and shoulders and stuff like that yeah. my wife's worked um so we met we I met my wife and I'll come on this why I'm still here we'll I'll chat about that in a sec but She's been in the same show, Michael Jackson won for nearly 10 years now, and she's had three major surgeries. So she had her knee ACL repair, she's had her hip labrum repair, and she's had a shoulder labrum repair. Um, and each one of them, she's out for like six to nine months and stuff. So, And this, sorry, and all yeah, them injuries, yeah. mate, happened at Cirque. Like it yeah. wasn't like she's got hurt doing something else. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay. For the most part, like I'm, maybe some people do like, snowboarding or something like that but yeah but for most for most people it's um 
either like an injury that's happened from an accident and touch wood that doesn't happen too often most of it's just wear and tear because it's like and, th and this is the, the side that you don't really see when you go to see like a show yeah. and you see that one-off show which is awesome every Cirque show here in Vegas at least does 10 shows a week but like two shows a night for five five nights right. and then you have a weekend of two solid days off most of the time every now and then they'll throw in like a six day or like someone will buy a show out like we did like a J-Lo's birthday or something like that and she'll yeah. like buy the whole theater or something so sorry but so mate you're do you was doing a show two shows a night yeah exactly and that's what people a lot of people don't get is like yeah that energy I'm, yeah sorry but i've not been to one okay so i again i'm i'm pretty much maybe like people who've never yeah. been to one too so that's why i'm oh, pretty intrigued i'll take you but we're gonna yeah. go see one but like but yeah when you go to see a show that's it's the spectacle and there's all this yeah. energy and all this like adrenaline and stuff and then the, the schedule for us was 7 p.m was the show and it ran till 8 30 just after and then the next show started at 9 30. so you've got like by the time you get off stage and get out of your costumes you've got like half an hour yeah. until the next show starts again and like that's where the injuries come in because you've got that half an hour to cool down a little bit but not mm -hmm. too much and then you've got to get right back up to 100 percent again and like you're doing and then you do that five solid days and and like yeah a lot of the a lot of the shows is the same what's it's the repetition right it's the same thing you're doing pretty much yep give and take some people will like rotate around a few different spots and things but like mostly like for me i was doing trampoline every night so like you're always doing some trampoline you're always doing i did I had to learn like slap line for example which was super fun but like a lot of impact on my back you learn all these like kind of weird secondary disciplines mm -hmm. to like fill spots on stage and do all this stuff and yes yeah, a lot of a lot of wear and tear and i think like that's probably a side of it that people don't don't see is yeah, yeah. is like the injury side of it um it's in my experience, it's rare that someone leaves the show because they like wanted to leave. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think the vast majority of people would leave the show because they got injured or yeah. they had to have a surgery and then they couldn't do what they were doing. Or something like that. And that's what happened to me is like, I had, I ended up having to have the back surgery and I had to have a meeting with them and, and again, not to go like super into detail, but they were like, look, we don't think you can do for 380 shows next year. How, how many was it? it? Must have been like 400 and I can't remember the exact number, but it's but it's like you know I, someone will work this out. Maybe we'll work this out afterwards. But like say it's 480 shows a year or yeah. something like that. So basically a lot. Basically <laughs> yeah. a shitload of shows. Yeah. And like they you know they, we had a meeting and they went look I'm not sure you can do that and yeah. I had to go yeah, I think you're right like I, I'm not sure I can do that like I want to do it and yeah, it's yeah. it's fun and I love doing it but. I don't, I, I tend to agree with you. Like, I don't think I can. Yeah. So in the end, so I got, I like let go from that contract and well, not, not renewed, I should say. Mm -hmm. And, um, finished out the contract, all, you know, all good. And then had back surgery at the end of that contract. Um, which were, I, again, like I was lucky it wasn't worse. It wasn't like a fusion or anything like that. It was, um, micro lumbar discectomy is what I had. So they like scrape off the back of your discs when yeah, the discs yeah. come out mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I was getting like tons of uh, sciatic pain down my legs. Oh, and yeah. like, my, yeah, my hips were in a bad way. My, yeah, lots of like nerve nerve pain through yeah. that spinal cord and stuff. Um, and then like, we're dredging up like old injury stuff here, but like most of the time what happens is when you're in under contract with Cirque is you'll get injured or do a surgery and then you'll have however long it is six months of recovery but you'll do it on site so you'll go in every day to work and you'll work with the physios who like see you every day and they know what you do and they know okay. that they're, they're really like much they've got so much love for the for the medical staff because yeah. they're, they're overworked honestly mm -hmm. there's not enough of them around in circ like with the number of injuries they've got and yeah. they they work long hours for like no lot of uh not a lot of um what's what i'm looking for like appreciation oh, you yeah. know what i mean mm -hmm. But like yeah, the, the the medical staff at Michael Jackson, like yeah, Todd Todd was was the man, like still still good mates with him to this day and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so you go in if you're under contract, you go in every day and you work with medical staff and they know you and they know what you have to be getting back to. Yeah. My situation was a bit different because my contract was technically over. I couldn't 
rehab on site. So I had to rehab at these like random places that my insurance got me around Vegas. Mm -hmm. And again, not to like disparage any of the physios or anything I worked with, the athletic trainers, but they had no idea what I was trying to get back to. Like they had no idea what trampolining was or what I did in my job or yeah, yeah. the impact that I had to like endure kind of mm -hmm. thing. So pretty early on, I realized that like, they're trying to tick these boxes of like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, yeah, Jem can lift 20 pounds. Okay, cool. That means he can like stack shelves in Smiths or something, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he can go and like work in Cirque again. So yeah. that was like a rough, a rough rehab for me. It was like that. It took 18 months in the end until I got like signed off of insurance. and. At the end of those 18 months, like there's no way I could do what I used to do. So yeah. that was the, uh, that was the end of Cirque for me, unfortunately. But, um, Mate, um, but yeah, it's like that for a lot of people, I think. Yeah, I kind of feel your pain. Um, I mean, obviously not from being injured, but like uh, I've been fortunate and still am, you know, I'm involved with uh, Prism Physical Therapy in mm -hmm. town. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about that place is, uh, again, working under like, or working with uh, Scott Pensavey, who owns it is, you know, he's top of the game and you see a lot of athletes, you know, pro athletes who are, you know, injured for whatever reason from the sports. And yeah. then obviously they're trying to get back and him and his team, they know what they're getting back to. So the level of care is, you know, top, the yeah. top that it can be. But then I've also heard from other people and obviously, you know, from working with yourself, like, you know, not to put a downer on anyone, but the horror stories of like the other PT spots where it's almost like a, it's like a cattle market. It's just yeah, like, right. let's just funnel these guys through, we, you know, because it's insurance based in America. How much money can we get? Um, you know, and you don't really get a lot of hands on. And like you said, you know, you in your own right, mate, you're an athlete doing mm -hmm. a unique skill set. And, you know, I couldn't jump from a trampoline and probably do half the stuff you've done. So, again, yeah, you know, for you to be treated like, you know, a normal person who's a non-athlete, you know, where uh, I can yeah, I can only imagine your frustration in that period. Yeah. But, um, mate, going through a recovery like that, like I'm sure a lot of people who've either, who might be going through it or may go through it, hopefully not, but mate, what kept you going? Like, what was the mindset? Like, or who, who, did you have people around you? Did you feel quite alone? Yeah, like, good question, bro. Um, I mean, so I was lucky that I had met my now wife at Cirque by this point and we were so when i got injured and left the show it was actually when i moved in with her right so pretty much like the day before my surgery i moved in with, with jenny uh having her there to like just look after me a bit honestly like after back surgery was just like amazing like there's no way i would have done it myself i don't think yeah um so yeah she she obviously helped me a ton and s still does to this day and we you know we got married and been married nearly six years now like it's yeah it's awesome um but yeah there was some dark times like th th that point at that point i've already i've had like in my head i've had one career which was trampoline like competition mm -hmm. and then i've transitioned out of that into my second quote-unquote career which is Cirque, which i thought would last a bit longer honestly yeah and then after like three years of that i just pretty pretty sharply I'm done. Like, you know, I'm done. I know that there's not much chance of me getting like another contract in however long this, this recovery might take. Yep. I don't know if I'm going to be able to like ever jump on a trampoline again, or, or even at this point, honestly, like walk around again. Like I didn't know it was post-surgery. I don't really know how it's going to go. So, yep. um, so yeah, there were some dark times for sure. Like looking back, I think, um, I think it was definitely the people around me, like at that point, uh, Jenny primarily, like a couple of the guys who I was in the show with, um, John, who I now live with as well as our roommate. Um, yeah, we spent a ton of time together. And then it was in this period of time that I actually met um, Ross and Bryn, who I now part own our, our agency with. And like that, like that eased the transition a ton. Um, because like I said, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what I was going to do for, for money for the rest of my life at that point. Yeah, like, yeah. am I going to, I could coach probably. I might be able to use my degree from England, but I don't know how much it even counts for over here at this point. Yeah. So don't really have a plan. I know I need to be in America because of like insurance and stuff, but I'm basically just ticking a box on that. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, 
got really, in my head, very, very lucky that I met Ross and Bryn around this point. And that, and they, at the time, had just started this kind of design. They both had backgrounds in marketing. They both had like masters in marketing, but Ross from England and Bryn from New Zealand. Um, I actually used to work with Bryn's wife. So Bryn's wife, Rainey, was in Michael Jackson 1 with us. She was a dancer, still is. Um, so I knew Bryn already, but like I met Ross. Bryn had played footy with Ross or something like that. And I just started, like, I had all this free time because I was doing crap all rehab at the time. Do you know what I mean? It's like one, you know, a couple of hours a day of rehab and then nothing else to do, really. Yeah. Um, so I, I got, yeah, lucky I met those guys and, and started kind of really thinking about what I wanted to do next and kind of fell into like the design, graphic design side of things at that point. Yeah. Um, learned a lot from both of them in terms of what was possible and, and how to even look at design all that stuff and and yeah spent a lot of time but basically like if i hadn't really like dived into that i think i would have stayed depressed really like mm -hmm. at that point um because i mean injuries are tough for anyone if you're a sports person if you're probably in the military as well right like yeah i'd imagine you had stories of people in the military who got injured and yeah it's um man, even on some little stuff that i've had which it, let's say it puts me on the back burner for I'm talking maybe a couple of weeks mm -hmm. mate it's almost like you know when your your identity has involved something physical like yeah. the whole of your life and it's also like for me again doing physical things you know like you know I talk a lot about my running and stuff you know I love to go out running mm -hmm. and it's kind of what it brings me enjoyment at the same time and it's like i said it's you know i don't i don't ever want to say oh i'm just labeled as a runner because i don't want to just be labeled that but yeah it brings me enjoyment mm -hmm. i love it and i just love being able to do things like that so when you can't even for like a week or two if it's a mild like you know i had blisters recently i was going through i, I would almost call it like a lot you know slight mm -hmm. stage of depression because i'm like all i want to do is be able to run so i couldn't imagine like one going for months having to go through a serious rehab mm -hmm. and then at the end of the rehab not being able to return to do you know what you've loved or what you've grown up doing yeah and then something that at that point you're probably like again like you said that was your career mm -hmm. and now it's just it's been halted and there's no way of returning so yeah. um yes and again it, it's a little bit like i didn't really struggle I, I had little struggles but leaving the military it's that identity again you know you've been the the you know it's benny's in the army it's this you know you're around the same type of people the same mindset and you're all kind of going in the same thing and you know whether it's the type of conversations and just you, you kind of have a feel for each other you step into you know as i call it civilian life mm -hmm. and you know civilians now that i'm one of them but at that time was very different to me yeah. or no the way i look at it now is no i was different to them yeah, so yeah, now yeah. i had to kind of change my stripes to kind of be a part of society instead of trying to you know fight against it in a way so yeah. that's kind of like the way i kind of tackled it and again mate, it, it takes me a few years and there's every now and again i get frustrations of i feel like people don't understand me but then it's like that's not their issue it's something that i mm -hmm. need to address and understand that you know, I need to come across where I'm relatable, or how can I how can I be, um, sorry, how can I be understood by yeah, yeah. others instead of thinking that they have to understand me, yeah. type of thing. Yeah, but I agree. Like for me, the the identity thing was the one where like I've gone through at this point for my whole life, and there was one thing that was like at the core of my identity, which was like trampling. Yeah. yeah. So like when I introduce myself to people and they ask what I did, I would tell them I was a trampolinist or a trampoline yeah, yeah. gymnast when that sounded a bit cooler. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and then like when I got into circ, I was like, okay, I'm, tramp I'm an acrobat, trampoline acrobat. Like yeah. that's my thing. That's, that's what I do. And then all of a sudden that's not your thing anymore. Like you can't, you've got to say, oh, I used to do that. Yeah, yeah. But like, that's such an, such a crap way to introduce yourself right like you, no one talks about what they used to do so like all of us like for me at least all of a sudden i'm like right what 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 am i like what do i do what's my identity outside of this thing that i used to do that i was good at that i enjoyed that was great but i can't talk about that like I, and i felt bad talking about it honestly because yeah. you don't want to be that guy that's just like constantly living in the past and like mm -hmm. you know oh didn't oh yeah life was great 10 years ago do you know what i mean so like Finding that new identity outside of what, what it was that you've done for so long is, yeah. is really difficult. 
and um that yeah that was i struggled with that for sure for yeah. years still do sometimes honestly yeah um like I'm, I'm in a good spot now where like I, i'm comfortable enough with what i'm doing work-wise and it's like enough of a part of me that I, I like that as like my identity i like being a designer i like you know owning this this uh business and stuff but yeah meeting new people and, and telling them what you do and things definitely took a while to, to kick in for sure i imagine it's the same living in the military like you said yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it's took it's taken a few years, but now it's definitely a lot easier. And it's almost like, again, with a business that I'm running, you know, like mm-hmm. tier one performance, it's kind of something that I'm very proud of. And I'm, you know, it's like a new passion in a way, even, you know, mm-hmm. fitness has been a huge part of my life. So it's, it was kind of, again, other than, like I said, losing that identity of being in the military and, you know, all the stuff I've done and kind of more the people I was around. Now what I'm doing, I still love it. And, I, you know, I've kind of fortunate that my transition was a, uh, you know, it wasn't because I, you know, got injured and just had to like, you know, stop, you know, I chose to, you know, leave sure. the military and kind of go into a new like venture and, you know, challenge type mm-hmm. of thing. So yeah, buddy. Um, any just mate, for anyone out there, just, to, you know, on that thing, like the transition, any kind of final points that you might want to put across to someone who might be in that same position right now? Um, I mean, like it's easy looking back to forget how, bad it was when you were in it like like i remember like when i actually sit and think about it like i had a good couple of years where i didn't really have an identity anymore i was in a country where at the time i couldn't even work because i'd like just got married to my wife we weren't married at that first so i was here on like a visa but that v i wasn't working for the company anymore so like i couldn't work anywhere else i couldn't go and work in in an office or anything um so like i like i fully struggled and it was like a dark, dark time. And I think it's easy now looking back when I'm not in that to just think, oh, you know, I got through it and it was fine. Yeah. But I think if, like you said, if someone's in it right now, it's like, it's a dark spot and you often can't see how it's ever going to get better. And I think, like you said, finding a new passion or like finding that thing that's going to spark that, you know, that joy, <laughs> a bit cliche, but you know what I mean? Like, that's going to interest you and be that mm-hmm. new thing that like you're all about. It takes time sometimes and it might take a couple of years for you to get to the point where you're like not in that anymore, but, but you will get, that. do you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, I don't think many people just sit in that and wallow in that for, for, for time. Like, you know, it might take a couple of years, but I think as long as you keep moving forward and keep saying yes to new stuff and, and I took risks, like I, you know, when I started doing what I'm doing now, it wasn't full-time money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like when I started doing it, it was, and I said, I said no to like a full-time job working in an office, just like making minimum wage mm-hmm. to do this thing and make less money, which was a risk at the time. It was a risk. And I like came close to not doing it, honestly. But I think as long as you say yes to stuff that you truly want to do, you'll, you'll come out of it in a situation which is like beneficial for you financially and, and like mentally as well. So, so yeah for me that was a big thing awesome buddy um i have a thing that Mm -hmm. i do it's called the quick fire 10 go on then so we'll just rattle through these mate um what's your thinking just just answers right yes mate tip of the tongue stuff so here we go what's your favorite musician or artist sean hayes Hayes. little lad little lad old guy actually down in california but uh not super famous but i saw him live he's amazing Awesome, man. Uh, what's your kind of favorite meal or go-to food? Oh, do you know what? It's a stupid one, but uh, just sa- like salad, like iceberg <laughs> lettuce and like vinaigrette and salt. Yeah. <laughs> no idea why, like from my childhood, but yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Spirit animal, like a rabbit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> um, mate, what book are you currently reading or maybe just finished? I'm actually reading uh, Dune. Um, the like the movie that came out with Tim Chalamet. Like I've okay. read it, I've read it before, but I'm rereading it because um, there's like a whole other loads of sequels that I never read, so I'm starting them again. Favorite sports team? Newcastle Football Club. Awesome. Uh, favorite athlete? Ooh, good one. For, uh, stick with trampolining. Moskalenko was my like right. He was Russian lad, uh, my idol growing up. He was amazing. Uh, be in the mountains or by the ocean? By the ocean on the beach. 
is there anything that you're scared of? Something that you like, I don't know, like maybe a phobia or? I'm actually not very good with heights, ridiculously. Like I'm yeah. okay when I jump up, I'm fine. But if I'm stood on the edge looking down, I'm not very good at all. Nah. Yeah, I hate that. Um, hitting the town or hitting the sofa in a movie? Sofa in a movie, for sure. What was or is your biggest influence, i.e. like a person? Probably my coach. Like my first coach that I had coached for, for most of my life, Rosie Baskin, was um, just a huge, like the second, a second mum generally. Like, yeah. you know, my mum worked super hard, four kids. And, you know, like I said, we weren't super well off. And uh, Rosie would drive us to all the competitions and take me home. And I, I lived a lot of my life at her house. So, uh, yeah. yeah, massive, massive influence. Awesome, man. And then just in a year's time from now, mate, like where do you see yourself? Hopefully on a beach, mate. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I want to be like, I, I think now my focus is getting my work-life balance to a point where I can enjoy life and mm -hmm. uh, not not work all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, if we can if we can transition into that, that would be that would be sweet. Awesome, mate. Um, just to kind of put a wrap on that, mate. That's been you know, it's been awesome. I've I've learned a lot about obviously Team GB. You know, obviously the Cirque du Soleil. I, I mean, yeah, obviously you. being out here. You, you see the advertisements and obviously knowing you guys, I kind of have a little bit of a insight, but yeah, yeah, I didn't know it was like, he was doing like two shows a night and, you know, five to six times a week, you know, yeah, right. 10 to 12 shows. Well, take you to a show for sure. Yeah. Which is hectic. Um, mate, with your, where you currently are now, like, um, I know you work with what, Vision 99. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, Vision 99 is, uh, our company, Ross and Bryn and myself, um, run it and yeah, go to 99.com vision um no.com or anything like that if you want to check us out and get in touch yeah and you guys just do anything like business projects you know designing logos marketing all exactly. that kind of yeah we do a ton of stuff like i think mostly what we do is um you know like creative design brand development web design things like that but like you said we also do some some digital marketing side of things uh, running paid spend and ads and stuff so yeah if you've got a uh, business and you want it to look really nice or do really well come uh, come to us and we'll have a chat Awesome, buddy. Well, Jen, mate, obviously we're good mates, but uh, it's been great having you on here. And then for everyone else who's listening, you know, um, thanks for checking in. Yeah, Jem Campbell. So again, ex, you know, Team GB trampoline athlete, went on to Cirque du Soleil. Um, and now, you know, he's a part owner of a media like marketing and company. So he's, you know, made a few transitions in life. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Any final points, buddy? No, just thank you very much for having me. Yeah, like it's good to chat. Cheers, mate. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Cheers.